Hello, hello, you guys. It is Wednesday, or maybe Friday, or Thursday, or Tuesday, whatever day it is that you are listening. Today is Wednesday that we are recording the VBAC Link podcast. And I've been a little giddy for this episode because we have our friend Caitlin and her and I connected. She is with Be Her Village and we actually connected, was it two weeks ago? Maybe a week ago, a little bit ago. And we got off the phone and I think we both kind of felt like the same feeling. This is energy and just, I don't know. I'm like, can we just be best friends, right? That's what you were saying. Like we're best friends and it's just so fun. And um, we definitely have very similar passions and drives for the birth community and VBAC and all the things. And she has a story of her own today that truly led her to where she is right now, which I think is one of the biggest things that relates the two of us because my journeys led me to where I am right now at my desk recording this podcast and and serving this VBAC community. So I'm going to introduce her a little bit more in just a moment, but we do have a review of the week. And this was actually sent via email as well. So we got two emails back to back about reviews. And just a reminder, if you have not had a moment to leave a review, please do so. We love them. They mean the world. Our team loves reading them. You can leave them on uh, like podcast apps like Apple, Google. You can send us it in uh, social media on Facebook or Instagram, or you can be like Daria. I believe this is how you pronounce your name did. And she sent it to via email. And that is so wonderful as well. She says, I just wanted to leave a review of my favorite podcast, almost an obsession at this point. I had a C-section with my twins almost two years ago and currently pregnant with baby number three. Writing it in March as I listen to your podcast almost every day on my walks and getting ready for a VBAC as much as I possibly can. I can't describe how much valuable information and most importantly, inspiration it gives me. Maybe it's just pregnancy hormones, but I swear I cry a little every time I listen to moms describing the emotional moments of their birth stories. Nothing feels more precious to me at that moment. I am dead set on having a VBAC in August and all the episodes of your podcast give me extra encouragement and strength to advocate for myself. I religiously listen every to every new episode and maybe I'll get to hear this review soon. Yes, you will. It is coming out soon, just before your VBAC actually, Daria. It says, look out for my next email in August with hopefully a successful VBAC story. Thank you again so much for everything you do for women all over the world. Oh my gosh. She said, oh, and then she says, P.S. My English is not my first language. I'm from Ukraine, but I hope my English is fluent enough to reflect my feelings. Oh, oh my gosh. Caitlin, is that not just an amazing review? That is so, I really just feel like I'm sitting here getting ready to tell my story and I'm like getting teared up about the fact that the people listening were in my position right before I had my VBAC. And there, it's such a place of unknown. It's such a place where you need support. It's such a place where there's so many forces working against us, unfortunately. And the fact that this podcast, that my story might help someone in their preparation, it might impact them. It might be what they need to hear to stay and get fiercely determined Oh my God. I love her. I want to give her a hug and like a high five. I (laughs) know, right? Like, I just want to squeeze her and say, I love you. I love you. And yes, you can. 
And yeah. yes, you can advocate for yourself. And yes, you can do the things that so many people in this world believe is unachievable. And it makes my, my heart so sad to know that there are so many people out there that want a different experience and are told they can't mm -hmm. or are told it's not possible. Right. And yeah, I just, I love that you're here. I love that you're at this space and I cannot wait for your email in August myself. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hi, birth workers. This one's for you. In an ideal world, VBAC parents would be treated just like any other birthing parents. In today's world, most medical providers sadly don't fully support VBAC parents. However, 90% of parents with a prior cesarean are good candidates to attempt a VBAC. This is why we have created the Advanced VBAC Doula Certification Program. In this doula course, we share evidence-based data for you to educate your clients, teach you the tools on helping them how to process past fears and trauma, or helping them decide if VBAC is even right for them. You will feel better prepared to support them during this beautiful experience. All VBAC certified doulas are listed on our website so parents know who you are. To learn more, go to the VBAClink.com. Oh my goodness. I am so excited. Let's get her her VBAC. Yes. I am pumped yes. up. This is amazing. Yes. Let's do this. <laughs> yes. You get so invested, Caitlin. It's so amazing. Like, you get so invested in this community of like these people mm -hmm. that are writing and they're like, Hey, I have a question. By the way, if you didn't know, you can always email us at info at the vbacklink.com and write us your questions. We love speaking with you. We love doing consults. We love doing all of these amazing things to connect with you and to build you up, whether that be through a consult or the blog or just an email or this podcast or our VBAC course, whatever it may be, we want to help you through your journey. It's amazing. This, what you guys are doing, I'm like so excited to even be here. This is the work. And this is like, I mean, I've been a doula. I've helped so many people achieve their VBACs and I've witnessed them and I've like literally been in the room with them. But this platform and everything you've created with it is helping so many people. It's so powerful to have this narrative change. It's so powerful for us to tell our stories and counter what the doctors are telling us, counter yes. what, you know, maybe other people in our families are telling us this fear and this risk and this, how could you be so irresponsible to think about a vaginal birth? How selfish like that. Right. Yes. I don't know if we're allowed to curse here, but like, that is what drives me. That is so powerful to be like, nope, I did it. I trusted myself. I trusted my body. My body is not broken and I can do this yes. with the right support, the right advocacy and, and a little bit of luck, not a lie, there's a little luck in there, uh, but we can yep. do this. And it's, it's such yes. an incredible message that we need to keep spreading again and again and again. How awesome is this? Oh my gosh. I can agree more. Oh, 
Okay, you guys, I we have Caitlin. And if you haven't already, you, if you can't already tell, like we just are so passionate about about birds and options and birth workers and all of the things. And I'm so excited and honored to have you, Caitlin, to on this podcast. And you guys, she is the founder of Be Her Village, B-E-H-E-R Village. Definitely go check it out. She started doula work in 2014, which guys, guess what? So did I. So I, I didn't know that until actually just barely, but we started <laughs> around the same time. Um, and she's so passionate about creating access to maternal care for all. And she has a gift registry on this Be Her Village. You guys, it's a platform that is like literally, okay, actually, I'm even going to let you talk about it because <laughs> it is literally amazing and genius, genius, because it is such a great tool for people because I'm sorry. I love all of baby clothes. I loved my baby clothes so much. But I love baby clothes too. I, I don't tell anybody I, that, but I also love baby I clothes. I do, but I would have loved, like after my two cesareans specifically, actually even after my VBAC. I mean, luckily my husband uh, was in a situation where he could be with me. Like he was home all the time. So we had this support, but he could have even used some support. But I loved all those cute little baby gifts. But to have some resources or to have that doula that I wanted to hire with my second, but my husband was like, eh, we can't afford it. Eh, I don't like the idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us about what you are doing with Be Her Village. Awesome. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me, Megan. I love, I just love you. I love what you're doing. Everyone is listening. Thank you for the space to tell my story. Be Her Village is just my answer to like having a baby and having this perfect nursery surrounded by all the gifts, all the wonderful, generous things that my friends and family showered me with and actually having nothing I needed. Just being completely alone, being uh, post-C-section because I didn't have a doula. I couldn't afford a doula. I didn't know I needed a doula. That wasn't the norm. Um, And I was just sort of surrounded by all these gifts and had none of the support. Breastfeeding was hard. C-section recovery was hard. Life with a newborn was hard. I mean, it's just difficult. And what I realized is that our, our communities have so much love to give. And they've sort of been tricked into this idea that all we need is stuff. And yeah. like we need baby some wipe stuff. warmers, yeah, baby but wipe like, warmers and like seventeen really different bouncers. Warmers? Yeah, <laughs> right? right. Like, there's just it's a little extra, and I feel like we can get all the stuff in the baby store. You can get a whole baby store's worth of stuff, and you're still gonna need some support for yourself as a mother. And yes. so I thought of Be Her Village, and it's like, well, why don't we? Why don't we connect parents with doulas? And why don't we give doulas and lactation care and postpartum care and pelvic floor visits as baby shower gifts? Like, what an incredible incredible gift to be able to be like, I'm going to help you get your V back. Here's a doula to help you advocate for yourself. Like here's a pelvic floor provider. So you can get back to running or CrossFit or exercise or, you know, which for many of us is mental health tool. Like what about an impactful gift that actually cares for the mother so she can take care of herself and her baby? Yes. And you know, this is something Julie and I, when we were together, talked about this in hundreds of episodes ago saying like, you can, you can ask for like, if you can't afford a doula, because we are huge advocates here uh, for our doulas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly, we we've seen the impact, and we just we just know this impact, right? But we talk about like ask for money towards something else, right? Like you don't have to, but this is an actual tool and resource that it is easy to do that. Yes. It is easy to do. It's easy to register for that, and oh, it's just. It's incredible. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with you. 
And I just can't wait to one day actually finally meet you in person. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Yes. And, and just, yeah. And just see you grow because this is so amazing. And women of strength, we understand, we understand that finances are not always in a place to have a, a doula, a birth doula and a photographer and a lactation consultant and a postpartum doula and a PT for and or give birth out of hospital or you know all of these things we mm-hmm. we know that these these things cost we know that they do but i'm telling you right now there is serious value in this and it is honestly so amazing to have a doula or a support versus a baby wipe warmer or yeah. one extra pair of newborn onesies, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, and I just wanted just to like provide insight into that. It's not just like that it feels good for moms because that's not something we're always comfortable with. Like, yeah. oh, I'd rather get something for my baby. I don't need to feel good. I can do hard things and we can, we can, we can do more than, <laughs> than we know. Yes. Um, but using a doula reduces your chance of a C-section. Using yep. a doula reduces your chance of an episiotomy, which is where they cut your perineum. It reduces the chance of Forcep use or vacuum use, it reduces time um, and labor. Time and labor, which I'm like, just sign me up right there. What are you kidding? Forget about about labor shortened by at least 41 minutes. And you know what? It's more than just the shortness of the labor, it shortens pushing time. Yeah. And it increases the APGAR score of the baby. So, like, which is literally the baby's health upon being born. There's just so many things that a doula does that are, and it's not a promise that like one doula will do that for you, but collectively when people line up doula support, their outcomes and their baby outcomes are better. And if you're thinking about a VBAC, which I'm guessing you are, if you're listening to this, you need to get a doula. You need to think about a doula. And it has always been this thing that I personally, even as a doula, felt uncomfortable saying and recommending. Because how can you say, hey, doulas are vital, Oh, sorry, you don't have a thousand dollars. You know, like that's or such more or, or way more. more, right? Such an uncomfortable conversation. And that's why I created Be Her Village because $12 billion is spent on baby gifts every year for baby showers. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe the generosity exists, maybe the love exists, and maybe the money exists. And we just need to create a platform where people can line up their doulas and ask for them for their baby shower gifts. And that's exactly what we did. And we've had over $135,000 gifted on Be Her Village directly to parents. They're they're getting the gifts. They're getting the support. And it's literally the coolest thing in the world. It, it's, it's so amazing. It's just so cool to like see it come to life and to find, you know, have people find out about it and then literally get better gifts that are taking care of them. And improving their entire experience. And unfortunately, it's like, it's because I needed it. (laughs) I wish I could go back in time and do it again, which is something we hear really often. It's like, oh my God, where was this when I was having my- That's why I'm here right now, right? (laughs) Because I'm like, I needed more. I felt alone in so Mm -hmm. many ways preparing for my VBAC. And everyone looked at me and was like, what you're, wait, what, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're doing what? And I'm like, yeah, I want to push a baby out of my vagina. Why does that seem so weird? You know, yeah. like, yeah. but, but because I had that cesarean, everyone was like, wait, no, you can't do that. And then I'll tell you what, when I came around to that second, you know, the second C-section and wanting to have a vaginal birth, it was even more mind blowing to people. And I felt very lonely and cold. And I was like, no, no. And I didn't have, there wasn't a lot of inspiration. Facebook was going on and stuff, but, and there were stories being shared, but there was an inspiration like 
what we have today. And there wasn't a lot of knowledge in one spot. Right. Yeah. And so that's why we're here today. And yeah. I have to say one of the things too, like just, there's so much to talk about, but this is actually part of my birth story too. So it's like such an interesting place to begin is I think people legitimately think that vaginal birth and cesarean birth are equally risky. Uh-huh. And that's where they're like, well, why, or, or quite honestly, even the opposite, they think vaginal birth is more dangerous than C-section. Benefit, yeah. And it's like, so, so of course, if that's the underlying held belief, the subconscious belief is that vaginal birth is risky and cesarean is not, then of course, why, Megan, why would you do that? Why would you risk your life and your baby's life just to have a vaginal birth? Like you don't get an award for that. Like, I'm just imagining what these people are people thinking. say that. Saying, yes. Like you don't get an award. And it's like, well, hold on a second. What if we actually find out what where the risk lies? And that was something that I did. I was not set on a VBAC, not at all. I was totally totally disappointed. I think that's like probably the least impactful word I could use, but there was just like a defeated feeling about my C-section. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, oh, that wasn't really what I wanted. But but I also went into my VBAC birth, my second pregnancy, sort of like, I'm not going to take unnecessary risks for my baby mm-hmm. or for myself just to right. get like the VBAC badge or the vaginal birth right? experience. Like, yes. You have to balance your desires Yes. with what's risky and what's safe. And yes. so I did research and I remember one of the things that like stood out for me was I had this vision of like, and I'm sorry, like your earmuffs for anyone who's like triggered by this, but like I had this vision of vaginal birth ending in hemorrhage and like being mm-hmm. very, very, very scary and very dangerous. This was like, I don't know, this is what you see in the movies. Like you yeah. bleed out control after vaginal birth. And so I did research into this and I don't know if you know this, Megan, I'm so excited if I can share this with you for the first time, but like vaginal birth hemorrhage is 500 cc's of blood loss mm-hmm. and cesarean normal blood loss in a totally run of the mill. We did a great job and there was no extra bleeding cesarean is 1000 cc's. It's double. Yeah. And as soon as I realized that I was like, Oh, we're not talking about the same thing. Everyone talks about uh, vaginal birth and C-section on this like level playing field. And we are not in the same ballpark. That is incredibly risky when it goes normally. It's twice as risky as when a vaginal birth goes horribly wrong. And it to me, it's like, oh, we're not even in the same stratosphere. Like it's just, it's a completely different thing. And that I think once we start talking in facts and figures and we start really like sharing that, it takes so much of the fear away. And the fear can be such a big monster to deal with when we're talking about VBAC because it's scary. There's unknowns. It's every pregnancy is like a little scary because the fear yeah. is what drives us. But like yeah. if you walk away with one fact from this podcast episode, it's like, just know it is not the same thing. It's not even it close to not. the same thing. It is not, it isn't. And, and it's even like vaginal birth after cesarean, right? Like there are there, yes, there are risks for having a vaginal birth after cesarean, but it's also not the same thing, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are also risks for a second cesarean, a third cesarean, a fourth Mm -hmm. cesarean, and the risks are pretty substantial. And so it's important. And I encourage you, if you are preparing to actually look at the pros and cons of both sides, because I also want to point out that sometimes the cons of a, of a vaginal birth 
my way out. You know, like you might be like, yeah, I don't want to do that. That's actually not what I feel comfortable with. That's not what my Mm -hmm. heart says. And that is okay. But also know the risks and the cons of the other side. So know the pros and the cons of both vaginal birth and cesarean, vaginal birth after cesarean, and vaginal birth after multiple cesareans. Know those risks and dial in and decide what risk is applicable and safe enough for you, like comfortable enough for you. I love that. Because my risk, I am a little bit more, I live a little bit more on the edge. (laughs) I like, I will jump out of, I have jumped out of a plane multiple times and I have a friend that like, that is the scariest thing. And she won't do it because she has, she, she's won't do it because she has children because she fears the risk of dying. Yeah. Totally understand. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I would be back every day of my life and I will never jump out of a plane. Okay. See, here we go. So not the same risk to to you and to me. Right. So I'm like, yeah, like my risk is nothing. It's not, not enough to me to not jump out. And you're like, yeah, no, not doing that. Right. And so, and so we have, it it depends. Like there are risks and, and, and benefits and risks on both sides. And you have to decide what is best for you. What risk is impactful enough for you to make that decision and know that it's okay if you are not what being in the decision that Sally's making. Absolutely. Right. It's okay. It doesn't make you any less of a woman of strength. It doesn't make you any less of a mother. It doesn't like make you nothing. Like you're not failing your body. You're not failing your baby. If you make one choice or another. Absolutely. And the big thing is like, you have to get that information so that you know the right information so that when you go talk to a doctor and they they write you off and say, no, we do repeat C-sections because it's risky. Yes. You actually know what they're talking about and you actually yes. know whether you're at risk or not because it, there's a much bigger picture than what you might get at a yep. standard OB's office. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So this information is so important and, you know, cesarean awareness month is April. And one of the biggest things a lot of people say are like, so are we promoting cesareans? And it's not that we're promoting cesareans. It's we're promoting information about cesareans, about Mm -hmm. VBAC, about your option like this. And even though cesarean awareness month is in April, every month is cesarean awareness month in my mind, right? Absolutely. Every single month, every single day, is information that we need to be sharing that we need to be getting out there because women of strength you need to know these infor- these these stats these facts so you can make the choice that's best for you yes oh, and, i love that yeah and like i mean i don't know exactly like you know all the choices and the things that led up for your cesarean but like for me i didn't know i walked in i was uneducated you guys mm-hmm. i was i was young I was 22. I just knew I was going to have a baby. I went to the same doc my mom did that delivered me via cesarean coincidentally, you know, all these things. And I just didn't know. And it takes, it takes knowledge. It takes time. It takes, it takes time. Right. And if you are willing to put in that time, you will likely, even if it ends in a cesarean, will likely be feel better about your outcome and carry on in your life. Yeah. And that VBAC prep, like, I don't think anyone here is 
anti-cesarean. And that's like such an interesting like thing to point out because there's nobody that's saying like, there's not, April is not anti-cesarean month. You no, know, it's, it's awareness. It's awareness so that you can go in with intention, with a conscious choice, with the information you need. And you know what? Like I went through a whole, like the research phase. I was not sure VBAC was for me. Yeah. I wasn't because I wasn't sold one way or the other, but like the ability to have a choice is everything. And that is where your power comes from. It's not from being loudest or being the strongest or fastest, or even like having a VBAC. It's about getting there on your terms. I know people who have had surprise VBACs, believe it or not, I should, I should send her to you. Um, Surprise VBAC that was not planned. And she was kind of traumatized by it because she was planning a section. She didn't didn't go through that prenatal process that a lot of people listening are going through of like, okay, so what are my options and how do I step into, you know, my path here, whatever path that might be. There's a lot of power and a lot of healing in whatever birth you have. But unless you do that work of like identifying your choices and in in not just like your risk assessment, but also like your practitioners and lining yourself up with support, then you're just, you're going to be sort of that passive participant, which I think not all of us, some of us, are our C-sections come after being active, but like a lot of us, myself included, there was this passivity where as soon as I hit the hospital, I was just sort of stripped of my power, stripped of my clothes, yeah. stripped of my humanness and told to lay back flat and, you know, and just like keep the baby on the monitor and here's your medication and like, boom, yes. that's it, C-section. And it yes. it was, it all happened to me. And I wasn't actively there. And that was a big part of what changed for me. And I felt like I benefited from my VBAC, whether I had a C-section or a vaginal birth. And for the record, I absolutely asked for a C-section as soon as I hit transition. (laughs) I I said to my doula, I was like, okay, I've done enough. I'm done. done. Can we just get a C-section? And I'm like, really glad I asked my doula and not my OB. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Your your julep and your team probably went like, wait, 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 wait. wait Hold on. Let's let's <laughs> give us 10 minutes. Because that is a very normal thing too, like you know, to say. So we need to oh, hear totally. your stories. Okay. Let's yeah. hear them. Oh, cool. You know, okay. Chat forever. I know. Well, I know. It's like we. we're let's already see. halfway through. Um, do what I, we, I can give like a quick synopsis of the C-section okay. because I feel yeah. like it's always relevant when we're talking about me back. Yes. So my C-section was a 41-week induction, oldest story in the book. Um, mine was a little interesting because I like actually planned an out-of-hospital birth and I planned oh. a midwife-supported birth. Uh-huh. I got a little bit of the bait and switch because ah. yeah, it's a little spicy. So because in New York, where I was giving birth at the time, they midwives could not own a birth center. Now they can. There's been a huge push in legislation and whatnot. But at the time, I was told the midwives were in charge of my care. And they were not. They were on the phone with an invisible, an invisible OB I had never met, did not know was calling all of the shots. And so I always like sort of say, well, I had, I planned out of hospital birth with midwives. Like I thought I was doing all the right things. And that is part of what makes me like a little extra angry (laughs) about my treatment because I thought I was doing the right thing and I wasn't. And And I never told you that you were actually under an OB umbrella. Nope. Everything was, were, I mean? mid, everything was midwife facing. It was, 
it was just, it was really disingenuous the way that they did that. And then like basically at the 41 week appointment, it was like literally an OB's on the phone with them in their ear telling them it's time to induce. And I was sent to the hospital for an induction. And I didn't know that that was the bad part then. It's only sort of like upon reflecting and becoming a doula and realizing like, wait, they were never really in charge, you know? You never actually had the midwife you thought you had. No, I was not in midwifery care. I had a midwife, my midwife mouthpiece for an OB. Yeah. Um, So that was, that wasn't great. And it's also awful because there's like, that's like the only birth center in New York. Mm -hmm. New York state is so far behind the rest of the country. And in a lot of ways and birth centers are definitely one of them. And I want as a doula in my heart of hearts, I like want to recommend birth centers, but not, I can't recommend that one because of the way that they behaved and, and their ownership. So I went to the hospital and it was just, it was kind of alarming to me, like how fast the the power was stripped away. My voice, it was just, my midwife kind of dumped me there and left me there. Um, and I was, this is like crazy to say, because I'm like such an advocate and I dueled people through so many things that I like to say that I even allowed this for myself is kind of amazing. But I was given Cytotech, double dose of Cytotech in the C-section recovery room. That's where they set me up because I was in this busy Brooklyn hospital and I was set up with Wendy, the nurse who I hate. (laughs) (laughs) I just like still remember Wendy. You know, these people become like bigger characters in your story, like as they stay with you. Um, But anyway, long story short, I, I went into like from nothing, like eating a sandwich with my family to like absolutely full-blown every three minute transition level contractions. And I couldn't move. She wouldn't let me move off my back because she couldn't hear. It was just this, like, I felt like a trapped animal. And I ended up getting the epidural because my whole birth plan was out the window. And it's like, why am I, why am I torturing myself? And the baby didn't respond well to the epidural and his heart rate went down. And I just looked at my team. They all looked very nervous. And Mm -hmm. I said, what are we doing here? And she said, the OB is going to come talk to you in about 45 minutes. I'm like this baby's actively in but distress. But your baby's not doing well. Actively in distress. The OB is going to come in 45 minutes. And I looked at her and I say this, like just the only reason this is okay is because I said it. I would never say this to another person. But I looked at her and I said, I want a healthy baby. I want a healthy baby at the end of this. Like yeah. I, I say that because it's like really toxic to be like, at least you're, you had a healthy baby. You know, it's like, okay. I get to say, and what I was trying to say to her and like the fog of the labor was after all of this misery and all of this horrible treatment, at the very least, I would like a baby that's like alive and handed to me. So I did. I got a C-section. It was scary. It was cold, literally. And, you know, otherwise it was just, it was not what I wanted. It was not the ending that I wanted. And I ended up in my house. My husband was back at work. He didn't have literally any time off. And he was back at work the day I was released from the hospital two days later. And it was just, it was just underwhelming. It was like, not how I wanted to enter motherhood. No. say the least. And I felt like besides the physical, the physical recovery was horrible. And I recovered really well, but it was just so intense. It's major surgery. I also just felt disempowered. I felt highly anxious. I didn't realize it until later that it was postpartum anxiety, but it was like, I was just so set off kilter by the whole experience. You know, it's like, people just like took my power and my voice and my strength away from me. 
and hand, and then handed me a baby and a C-section scar. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. that's, that's un- not how I thought yeah. motherhood was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's yeah. hard. And being alone. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. The being alone. Your journey off real intense. It was really hard. And then when I had my second, I just knew, I knew it needed to be different. I knew I needed to do more research. And I actually, this is funny. I did everything the opposite. So I planned a hospital birth. I planned an OB birth. I hired a doula. I, I just sort of like everything I didn't do, I did the opposite of. But the thing I did along the way is I was really intentional about all of my choices. Like I went, yes. found the doctor that does VBACs where I live, you know, like there's like a handful of them. And I found Jessica Jacob at North Shore. She, she does um, a lot of Orthodox Jewish women see her. That's her practice. And a lot of those women have like six, seven, eight, nine babies. And so when they have a C-section, if the thing is like, once a C-section, always a C-section, that can result, as we talked about earlier, it can result in really dangerous situations. And so she specializes in VBAC and in vaginal births and and preventing that primary C-section. So I went to her, I asked her as part of, I had done my own research and then I went to her and said, knowing my story and looking at my chart, am I a candidate? And she said, absolutely. I was like, okay, Okay. sold. (laughs) I'm in. <laughs> awesome. um, yeah, it was really good. So, so then I don't know the this one was so much less traumatic, and it was actually not even just less traumatic. It was I had like a full blown spiritual experience mm-hmm. with my be back. It was it was completely on my own terms. It was it was private. The day that I went into labor was my due date, believe it or not. Like, what a magical little baby. Yes. Um, yes. He's so obedient and wonderful. No, he's not. He's not obedient at all. He's he's eight now. He's not obedient. But but it was actually Father's Day of 2014. And that was my due date. And I woke up with just like these little Braxton Hicks, like turned into these contractions that would like, you know, the Braxton Hicks where they just tighten and release and you have them forever. It was like that. Except at the very height of it, it was like this squeeze, this little squeeze that like just took my attention. I was like, oh, you're like, oh, something's happening. What is this? Because I had never been in my own labor. And this is part of it, right? Like I had never been. And I had this suspicion, you know, the intuition, like I just knew if I could get into labor, I could do this. If I could get into labor. So I went to an acupuncturist. I had him put like, and one that like my doula had recommended, they put these beads on my ears. I don't know if you've ever had this, Megan. Okay. So they put beads on my ears and these like pressure points and they taped them. And then he told me just as, as much as I could to just, and I actually, I'm like touching the actual points because that's where they were. I'll never forget where they were Yeah. Um, and just pinch them and just keep doing that as much as you can to activate. Really? I did it. That was Friday, Friday night. I went, I pinched and squeezed those until Saturday. I literally ripped the, the tape and the beads off. Like I was totally overstimulated and couldn't. Yeah. I didn't touch them anymore, but I did like as much as I could. And I remember knowing, like, I had an instinct that I was going to go into labor because I could not stop eating the day before. It's so interesting, like, how our bodies know. Uh, that's fueling. They're that's fueling. Our bodies fuel. I did the same thing with my VBAC. It was so weird. I had like 
all this energy and was mm-hmm. like eating all the stuff. And it was Everything. like, how are you eating that much? You're nine months pregnant. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, so it hungry. was my husband. Like we went out for lunch and he got food for me, him and my two-year-old at the time. Uh-huh. And I remember looking at him and I was like, what are you guys going to eat? Like I was just so, I was insatiable, which had been different from every other day. So anyway, so I wake up the day, Father's Day, the day of my birth. And and it was this like incredible, gentle, slow labor, which was such a wonderful way to learn how to work with my body. The yeah. whole morning was just like, it was this questioning time of like, am I in labor? You know, yeah. and like in between, yeah. I was literally like this talking in between. I, could, I And I would be like, I would convince myself like, no, not in labor. There was this whole discussion of like, should we go to Father's Day brunch? And then I would have a wave come and I was like, oh. No, 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 we're not going to buy and not yeah. sit in a restaurant right now. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so, so I labored like that all day. Just like me and my husband, we watched World Cup soccer. We got lunch. We were eating. I was learning how to move. I was learning how to breathe. Every single contraction was just like this opportunity to figure out how to work with my body. And then the nighttime came and it's so, it's like what you learn in your childbirth class is like at night, the night falls and it like signals this like privacy and safety. And again, it was still just me and my husband and things just picked up. Oh my goodness. I remember my doula called me. I'd been texting her all day. I didn't want anyone to come. It was like so private. Yeah. And, and she texted or she called me and we spoke and I just gave her an update and then we hung up the phone and it's amazing to switch everything about labor is so mental mm-hmm. and emotional. And I just kicked into like high gear, like high gear, like the waves that I was able to get on top of earlier, not able, it was taking the full essence of my being to yeah. work through these contractions. It was, it was so incredibly wild um, how fast that happened. And we labored at home until maybe midnight. Yeah, about midnight. We called our doula and we had called the doctor and said, hey, I think we're going to come in. And the doctor said, well, she might get turned away if she's not ready because this is what VBAC supportive looks like. It looks like saying you might not be allowed to be here because that's how I keep you safe in this hospital. And and I remember just like that really stood out at me as like, oh, this is interesting that she's saying maybe I shouldn't come. So we waited as long as we possibly could. And we called the doula around midnight and the doula came here to my house. I was, I was on my knees next to my bed. I could not be in my bed for hours and hours. And I looked at her as soon as she got here and I said, let's go. It's time to go. And she was like, oh, okay. Just got here. Uh, and and between my bedroom and my car, I had probably five contractions. Oh, like it was just one after the other, after the other. And I'm at this point, I'm thinking I'm going to go to the hospital and spend a day there. And like, my mom will come for the birth. Like I'm, I'm not really getting how, where you're at, <laughs> where I am in labor. Cause it's part of labor. It's like, you just kind of can't tell. It's true. There's no sense of time. There's no sense of understanding sometimes where you're like, I know I'm feeling this, but like, it's probably going to be a while. Yeah. Like that's actually literally part of it. Like you're not supposed to know your, your brain shuts down the prefrontal cortex of language and like analysis (laughs) shuts down. And you're just, you're living in this like beautiful 
other existence where you're in a wave, you're out of a wave, you're in a wave, you're out of a wave. And so we went to the hospital and I walked all the way up. They offered me a wheelchair and I was like, I literally cannot sit down. There's not a chance of that. So I waddled my way and had contractions every few minutes. And when I got to the floor, they were like, okay, just skip triage, go right to the room. They took one look at me. I think they obviously knew that I was much closer than yeah. I knew. Yeah. And I went to go pee um, in the bathroom, in the room right before I went to like, go just lay in the bed and get checked or whatever. And when I, when I sat on the toilet, I had a contraction and I now know it was spontaneous pushing, but I had this contraction where it was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I, this like at the top, the peak, like when you're moaning out, it just like caught and it was like, oh yeah. my God, I'm, I think I'm pushing. It's like, it was this weird thing. Yeah. Um, it was weird because I hadn't experienced it before. Right. Right. So I got in the bed and everything is really a blur because the doctor came and she checked me. She said I was six centimeters and plus two station or minus two stations. I wasn't ready yet, uh-huh. but I was pushing and I was, I was working. And the best thing she did is she just said like, okay, just do your thing. I'm going to be right outside. And so the nurses were scurrying around asking me so many questions and I just ignored all of them where I was was in the stars. I was just so far away from the hospital room. I was, it's like, it doesn't make sense, but like, I, I just like imagine this like tunnel from like the top of my head to like the outer reaches of the universe. Like that's where I went. I went to this place that was just completely apart from the realities and the things that the nurses were worried about. I just could not care less. I was so deeply in tune with like what I was feeling and where I was going in my brain and my body. And I remember feeling so primal in a good way. Like the first time I felt like a trapped animal. And this time I felt like this primal goddess being of just like deeply connected to every sense of myself and every sense of my body. And just like, it was just wild. I don't, it's hard to put into words, but it was it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had was laboring my baby down and pushing him out. And just, there was no other anything in that moment. It was just me and my body and this baby. And it was the coolest thing I've ever done. And there were, there were full, there were funny moments in it too. Like at one point I like, so this is like the reality side of it. At one point I was, um, like curled up on my side against the side of the hospital bed. And in the middle of a contraction, the bed starts going up and down, up and down. Oh, and I like, was your head pushing it? Yes. I like snapped at my husband and I was like, are you moving the bed? And he was like, it's you. It's you. <laughs> sure was oh quite the sight. Um, yes. But yeah, it just, and he just blew out my body just apparently. So I I didn't realize this until a lot longer. Like I experienced fetal ejection reflex with my next baby who was a home birth, but I experienced it with him too. He went from inside of me to in the doctor's hands in one big push. It was just, it was wild. It was really wild. And it was literally the coolest thing ever. It's hard to explain how intense the moment is and how good it feels to have that relief. It is. And then the oxytocin is just pulsing and it's just, everything is good. And I remember he was put on my chest and 
he was so alert. He was so awake. He was not drugged. I was not drugged, which was not necessarily part of the plan. I just want to like throw that out there. I was wanting to go without an epidural, but it wasn't like set. It wasn't dead set on it. Yeah. I was like, I was sort of open to whatever happened. Yeah. That's a healthy. Because who knows, you know, but I, it was, it was so cool to have him like sort of go through those initial stages and be aware of his surroundings. And I remember feeling, even in that moment of joy, like I remember feeling a little bit like I was experiencing what was stolen from me the first time around. Yeah. And there was like a little bit of grief yeah. associated with that. I'm getting like a little teary-eyed thinking about it right now. Like it was just, I honestly think that's why I had a third baby. I was just like, I should have had this. I should have had this the first time. And he looked just like his big brother. It was just this like feeling of like, I was really robbed. And I, I knew I was robbed the first time, but I didn't know of what necessarily. I just right, knew. Because you hadn't been there yet. Yeah. yeah. And there was this incredible feeling of triumph. That was absolutely the overwhelming feeling. But there was this little layer of grief too, of just, oh, now I know what I missed out on. Yeah. Um and it was beautiful. I screamed from the top of my lungs. I just had a baby out of my vagina. <laughs> it's like literally the entire floor of the hospital could hear. And my doula sent me a video of that later on. Um, oh my gosh. I love that. I yeah, love that you have was, that. Yeah. I don't, I have to, I'd have to find it, but like, it was just this pure, pure triumph. And yeah. I was forever changed by that. Like it was I was forever changed by the whole experience. And that vaginal birth was the culmination of all the work I put in. It was the culmination of doing the research, of lining up my support team, and of doing this work to be an active participant in my care. And it was the best thing in the whole world. And I'm forever changed from that moment. Yeah. I love that you said like being an active participant of your care. Like it's so important listeners for you to be that person in your birth and not have birth happen to you and we know it happens we know it happens way too often and i hope in time that we stop seeing it happen so often and it's more of a rarity but right now a lot of the times and i I don't want to make it sound like we're painting a bad um, picture on providers or the system or anything like that I mean, look, you were, you were going out of the hospital and, you know, and I still got burned and you still got, yeah. And so it doesn't, you know, it just depends, right? Like, but like, it's so important. And it all stems back to what we're talking about in this beginning is having the education, Mm -hmm. having the support and being prepared to, to be that active participant and to be that person. And finding those supportive providers that will say, Hey, why don't you stay? You're probably going to get sent home for a little longer. Right. Like it's, it's just so important and it can be vital on the outcome of our birth. So, and that's, that's like such an important thing, Megan, if people are listening and trying to take away, I think, I think something that we can do often is like, I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to listen to as many birth stories as I can. So I can learn exactly the formula you know, like, what did she do? What did she do? What is the thing I have to do? And like, the thing you have to do is get the information and then trust your gut. Like part of being an active participant is research, 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 
trust your gut. That's what I always tell people. It's like, yes. do all of that research. But at the end of the day, you're the only person that can make each of these hundreds and thousands of tiny decisions for yourself. And yes. that's the real formula, right? Yes. Trusting our instincts, trusting ourselves, trusting our own wisdom yeah. in these moments to, to steer us and guide us forward. Yeah. And just like we are, you know, each of our bodies is made out of different things and chromosomes and hormones and all the things like we are made to be the person we are. We have to trust all of those things. And like she said, like create our own formula because her formula is going to be different than mine, right? Like she's not jumping out of a plane. I jumped out of a plane twice because I loved it so much. I had to do it again. Right. I'm definitely like, not jumping out of a plane. Right. But like, right. Like I'm just saying the, the yeah. formula is going to be different and you have to tune into your own formula. And it does mm-hmm. start with that intuition and that education and gathering the support. So yeah. Uh, and Megan, you said it earlier too. Just I know we're running out of time, no, but like you're fine. you can you can see all those stats and also do the opposite. You can see it's safer to have a C-section and choose a vaginal birth. You can see that vaginal birth is more risky for you and choose that anyway. Like you, the evidence is there. The quote unquote evidence is there as part of the decision making, but you get to do what feels right for you and your family and your baby and your body and your birth. And like, that is the thing. Evidence is not everything. It's one of the tools that we have. Yes. Just mic drop like right there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being with us today. I mean, I know that we could talk for hours and hours and hours on all of the things and we probably need to do this again because of that. I would love that. And I love you and everything you're doing here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Can you tell everybody where they can find be her village. Absolutely. Beherville.com is a great place to start. B-E-H-E-R village.com. Um, you can just hit the get started button, either create a registry or if you're a birth worker and you want to get involved with what we're doing, you can yeah. add your services. Um, we have training courses. We have so many great things. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We're both are at Be Her Village. I'm in the stories. I'm answering the messages on Instagram. So if you want to be in touch, that's the best way. Absolutely. And we'll make sure to drop all of those links in the show notes. So while you're leaving a review, also go check all of these amazing links out because Be Her Village is incredible, doing amazing things and is seriously like so important. So, so important. So thank you again so much. Thank you so much, Megan. Bye, everybody. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at thevbacklink.com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julian Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC Link.